Hey there, and welcome to Desiree's Mysterious Dark. I am your host, Des, and with me, as always, is my co-host and husband, Zeke. Hello. And today, we're going to talk about the Jersey Devil. Jersey Devil. Yeah. Now, when I first came upon this topic, I heard um, a couple other podcasts do the Jersey Devil, and I was trying to figure out what type of cryptid we could do next for the cryptid um, subject for the episode of the week. Um so I wasn't super excited to do it at first. So I was kind of like, eh, it's a little boring. But when I delved into it, it actually is quite fascinating. More and more information. Yeah, more and more information. Because there's actually, like, a folklore background that can actually be attributed to actually creating a creature. That is the Jersey Devil. Not only do I think the Jersey Devil is real, but also how it could have been actually created, like, in the imagination of the people of that area. And there's also, like, actual living animal record that could Yeah, that's another thing. There's actually an animal that could potentially... it. I feel like it's a far-stretched theory, and I'll attach it towards the end of the episode. Yeah. But I feel like it's a possible theory, and I'm excited. Because the creature is not the cutest of them all. Yes. It is so homely, it's adorable. No, it's not. Creature, it's just... creature on the wall. Yeah. Who <laughs> is not the most adorable of them all. Right. This thing. <laughs> that we'll get into in a little bit. Right. Um. So, what is the Jersey Devil? So, the Jersey Devil is also known as the Leeds Devil. Um, it's a part of southern New Jersey and Philadelphia folklore. It's a legendary creature that is said to inhabit the Pine Barrens of South Jersey. Um, so the Pine Barrens is this massive forest wooded area that's a bi biome. It's a biome. Biome. Um, it doesn't have nutrient-rich soil, so the settlers weren't able to, like, grow farms and things there. Um, but it does have a sugar, well, it's got, like, a sandy soil, which the locals call... Sugar sand. Sugar sand, yeah. Um, so things like orchids grow there, which... I don't know if like orchids actually do. I haven't. I haven't been there, so I haven't seen any because orchids are oh. more tropical. But it has that type of soil that they can grow in. Well, orchids, orchids as a as a plant do not require a lot of nutrients or attention. To right. Grow. I'm just more concerned about the temperature because I know when we have tried to have orchids in our lovely New England area, we've had to keep it at like seventy degrees in the house, and they've died. Well, I mean, they grow for a few years and then they tend to, like, they tend to be like screw this New England winter, right? Um, It almost always drops below where they're capable of survival, and then they die off. Right, Uh, but also it grows carnivorous plants. Sweet carnivorous plants. Right, the Venus flytraps, pitcher plants. I mean, those are all the carnivorous plants I know. I don't know if they grow there, but they're carnivorous plants, which is interesting because the area is known to be a very frightening area. So I think it's fitting that carnivorous plants grow there. Even the plants eat stuff, right? <laughs> like in order to survive here, you got to eat other things here. Hey, survival of the fittest, man. Right, Darwinian theory at its finest. Heck yeah. Um. So this creature is often described as a flying biped, which means it walks on two legs um, with hooves. But there are many variations to this. Uh, the most common description that I could find is that of a bipedal kangaroo-like or wavern-like. Like it's a cross between the two. And a wavern's a dragon. Wyvern. Wyvern's a dragon. With a horse head or a goat head. Leathery bat-like wings, horns, Small arms, clawed with clawed hands. <laughs> I can't. I can't. Every time I think of small hands, I think of T Rexes. Right. I think of the little hands. Anywho, have a big head and little arms. <laughs> uh, getting back on topic. Uh, legs with cloven hoofs and a forked tail. Uh, it is said to move quickly and is often described as emitting high pitch, blood curdling screams. Like, you go into the Pine Barrens and you hear this scream that, like, raises the hairs on your back of your neck. 
and you don't know where it's coming from and just kind of like admits throughout this vast area. So like echo sort of. Yeah. Echo location. Hint, hint. Creepy. <laughs> uh, so we're going to jump into the legend. So um, the folklore states that the Jersey Devil originated with a Pine Barrens resident named Jane Leeds, also known as Mother Leeds. Um, in 1935, Mother Leeds, upon finding out she was pregnant with her 13th child. An auspicious sign in and of itself. Right. Can you imagine 13 kids? Ooh. Well, back back in that day and age, it actually wasn't that uncommon. Well, I mean, it, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't, because you had a lot of, like, kids, like, perish. Like, a lot of them didn't survive. Well, I know, but I mean, are we assuming that... All 12 of the previous ones survived? I am assuming, because it doesn't state it either, either and or or. So, I'm assuming it is. It's just, it's just e crazy e to think that you carried 13 children and gave child. birth to a 13. Like, that just boggles my mind. I can't even imagine having one, let alone 13. Like, no thank you. We have furry babies, and that's what we want. Yes. Well, I will have 13 furry babies, but they will not come from me. <laughs> Let's just put that that way. Um, so not having a lot of money and a drunkard for a husband who made a little effort to provide for his wife and his children. Douchebag. Right. She cursed the child in frustration, crying, let this be a devil. Mm. Which is sad, but I understand. I don't know if I'd curse my unborn child, but then again, I'm not Miss Mother Leeds back in 1735. I'm not worrying about how I'm going to put food on the table to feed 12, now 13 children. Right. Plus a drunkard husband. Anywho. I still, even though if that was the case, though, I feel like we wouldn't do that. We wish not. Uh, months later, Mother Leeds went into labor during a stormy night. Her husband and her children huddled in another part of the cabin or room. I'm assuming it was... Like a cabin with two like or more rooms or whatever. Like a multiple roomed cabin. A shanty. A shanty in the middle of the a woods. A shanty in the middle of the Pine Barrens. <laughs> or just outside the Pine Barrens. We don't know. Perhaps a shack even. <laughs> right. Um, uh, so her husband and her children were huddled in a different part of the room. Well, or... A, in either it's either the same room or a different room. I'm gonna assume it's in a different room. Well yeah. Yeah, I think it was a different room based um, on the continuation of the legend. Yeah. Um so while the local midwives gathered to help deliver the baby. Uh by all accounts the delivery went routinely. Thirteenth Leeds child was a seemingly normal baby boy. Um however within moments of the baby being born the baby changed into a hideous creature unlike the world had seen. Um, the wailing infant began growing at an incredible rate. It sprouted horns from the top of its head. Talon-like claws tore through the tips of its fingers. Mm -hmm. Leathery bat-like wings unfurled from its back. Hair and feathers sprouted all over its body. Its eyes began to glow red. The creature then proceeded to savagely attack its mother, killing her. And then attacked the midwives, biting and voicing unearthly screams as it tore the midwives from limb to limb, maiming some and killing others. Mm. So, I don't want to sign up to be a midwife in 1735. Nothing like showing up to deliver a bouncing baby boy and being torn apart by a monster. Like, oh, how did you lose your arm? I delivered a monster. How did you lose your arm? I delivered a baby. Turned into a monster. It turned into a monster and ate part of my body. Sit, sit. Let me tell you the legend of the Jersey Devil. Right. Gather round, children. <laughs> Let me tell you the legend of the Jersey Devil that ate my arm. Right. Um, breaking through the door into the other room, uh, it attacked its father and siblings, killing its father and several of its siblings. Uh, the ones who survived watched the beast sprint towards the chimney, destroying it as it flew out into the darkness of the Pine Barrens, where it stayed, terrorizing any who were unfortunate to encounter it. This would be pretty, a pretty serious critter to friggin' destroy a chimney just by charging at it. Well, I think I what mean, it, I think it, like, charged in, it, and then as it was flying out, I think it destroyed it. Like, it was, like, breaking yeah, but through. And, but, I mean, like, back in the day, chimneys were made of stone. Like... Mm -hmm. Friggin' stone. Not like, you know, not today, like where they're made of friggin'. Not made of brick? Well, I mean, some of them are made of brick, but I mean, 
you know, stone is, I mean, stone all by itself is nine times out of ten stronger than concrete. Yeah. I mean, because stone is like a solid thing. You right. know, I mean, granted, they, I think, mortared them together, mm-hmm. you know, but still, I mean, stone. Stone is stone. But the Jersey Devil is a powerful little bastard. Right. Um, and then another um, little caveat, well, not really a caveat, but another version of the legend is that Mother Leeds was a witch, and the Jersey Devil was actually the love child between her and the devil itself. Hmm. Yeah. That might fit, because wasn't that like the the whole shtick for a lot of the witches? Kind of, yeah. You know, like they offer themselves up kind of thing. Legends, yeah. I think true witches aren't really like that. <laughs> like but. air quotes, supposedly. Right, like the, the witches of Salem air quotes. Um, they're not. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I apologize. <laughs> anyway, we're not getting Anywho. into that. <laughs> um, and then another like part of the legend states that the town actually had priests go into the Pine Barren to try to exorcise the Jersey Devil from the Pine Barrens and did not succeed. Well, I mean if it's if it's as much of a beast as it as the legend would portray it, you know, they wouldn't stand a chance. I, say, I don't think there's enough holy water on the planet to destroy the Jersey Devil. Well maybe, maybe. you never know. But I mean if honestly if it's as fast and Mm -hmm. powerful as they said they probably didn't even get a chance to freaking get the little vial out i mean this is an infant baby who has killed at least two two grown adults not to mention maybe a couple midwives and several of its own siblings i mean that's that's a beast i was gonna say day one what's your count uh seven i'm officially a serial killer day two what's your count i lost count I don't have enough. Not that claws. I ever learned how to count, but I lost count already. I don't have enough claws on my hands. Right. To count. <laughs> I ran out of claws the first day. I only have seven or eight claws. I don't have that many. I used them all up on day one. <laughs> um, Scratch marks into a tree or something. Right. Uh, so we're going to go into the sightings. Um, so during the 18th and 19th centuries, the Jersey Devil was spotted sporadically throughout the Pine Barrens region. Um, frightening local residents and travelers who ventured into its vast and undeveloped area. Um, unearthly whales were often heard emanating from the barrens and the swampy bogs within the forest, which kind of leads to the blood curdling Adds to the legend. Yeah. Um, the slaughter of domesticated animals would be attributed to the Jersey Devil. Over the years, the legend grew occasionally overstepping the boundaries of the rural Pine Barren haunts to terrorize local towns and cities. So he would move outside of... Yeah, he would move outside of its home base. Sorry, I have to switch. shift in my chair. Creaky chairs. Um, so this is kind of what made me a little more fascinated in the Jersey Devil, The um, this next part that I'm going to tell you, because I think that this is fascinating of itself because when you hear about cryptids you hear like story like one-off stories like someone's in the woods or they're getting tracked or they come across like a thing that looks like bigfoot or they come across something that looks like like chucabra or whatever you don't have numerous eyewitness account statements within the same time period or at least within the same area I was going to say, usually they're like one-offs. Yeah. And nine times out of ten, they don't have a camera. Or it was one that was made in the 50s, and all pictures are terrible. (laughs) Uh, So the most famous of the incidents of seeing the Jersey Devil happened during the week of January 16th through the 23rd of 1909. It's very specific. It is very specific. But there's actual, like, hard newspaper articles attributing to this happening. Hmm. Uh, so reports started emerging from all across the Delaware Valley that strange tracks, strange tracks, were being found in the snow. The mysterious footprints went under and over fences, through fields and backyards, and even across rooftop of houses. How do you get up there? What are you doing up there during the winter to find those well, footsteps in the first place? I mean, so if we're in at home sleeping and we hear something on the roof. Are you not going to go check and see what's on the roof? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I guess so. 
I mean, I guess I'd just walk outside and be like... I'm pretty sure you would just shoot it and have it go away. Well, you know. That's how we do. Something's on my roof. It's already it's already ignored the signs, so it's not supposed to be there, and it knows. Bailey, it can't read. Hey, if it can't read, that's that's not my problem. (laughs) Your illiteracy is not my problem. I posted signs. Stay off my land. (laughs) Um. Oh, anywho, they were even reported in the large cities of Camden and Philadelphia. Panic began to spread, causing posses to form in more than one town. I mean, anytime I hear posse, I either think of... Silent partner? Yeah, either the old spaghetti western (laughs) posse or the medieval, like, pitchfork and Grab your torch and pitchforks. (laughs) Um, uh, Let's see. Uh, Fear and intrigue grew when it was reported that the bloodhounds refused to follow the scent of the creature's trail. That's the bloodhounds are like, uh uh-uh, uh, I ain't doing it. Dogs know what's up, man. Yeah, they do. If the dogs are like, uh, not no, but hell no, you should you seriously pay attention to what I'm you're doing. Say you listen. Um, schools in lower New Jersey and Philadelphia closed or suffered low attendance due to the creature's presence. Mills in the schools? pine. Yeah, schools. Mm. So it's like, can you imagine? Like this, and this is kind of like what attributes, like, even more to the fact that this creature at least was real at this point in time because back then like you have old people tell you i walked 100 miles uphill and downhill in a blizzard 25 miles uphill both ways in the snowstorm just no shoes on to get to school yeah so the fact that they're shutting down or parents and children like "Uh uh-uh you're not going because you ain't getting attacked by the devil right uh, mills in the Pine Barrens had to shut down due to the workers refusing to leave their homes to go to work. That's crazy. Yeah. That's like during the day. Mm-hmm. Like, nope, we're not going out because mm-hmm. there's this crazy freaking monster thing. Right. Um, eyewitnesses in Camden and Bristol, Pennsylvania stated that the police in both cities spotted the creature flying and that they shot at the creature but failed to bring it down. So, so cops are even, like, in, in yeah. the sightings and stuff. So That's I don't nuts. I don't know if the cops hit it and it was like tis merely a flesh wound and just flew off or if <laughs> right. they just didn't get it at all. It's just a flesh wound. Yep. Your arms off. Still got another one. <laughs> Sorry, we're in a movie mood today, so yeah. I'm trying to keep myself from um, right let's off. see. Uh, a few days later, it reappeared in Camden, attacking a late night meeting of a social club, then flew away. Earlier that same day, it appeared in Haddon Heights, terrorizing a trolley car full of people before flying away. The witnesses came to look like claimed. Sorry, the witnesses claimed it looked like a flying kangaroo. Another trolley car full of people in Burlington witnessed the creature scurrying across the tracks in front of them. I feel like something like that doesn't scurry. It's like well, if it got shot and it hurts, I'm like, maybe maybe it's like running, but like it's not like mice scurry, yeah. like mice and rats they scurry. <laughs> well, this thing's a like a beast, right? It's like this thing's like probably strolling. It's like yeah, that's right. What are you gonna do, baby? Right, you can't do nothing. <laughs> oh, excuse me. Um, the creature reappeared in West Collingswood on the roof of a house. It was described as looking like an ostrich-like creature, which I guess feathers from the legend might. Well, it said feathers and fur, so yeah. I mean, it kind of, I guess that makes sense. Um, firemen then turned their hoses on the creature and it attacked them and then flew away. But if I got a fire hose turned on me, I'd probably attack somebody too. Fire hoses say, are fierce. I was going to say, I'd be a little irritated. They are tense. Yeah. But then again, don't be chilling on people's houses. Right. You get what you get. And you don't throw a fit. (laughs) Um, The entire week, people reported their livestock, particularly chickens, were being slaughtered within the towns of Bridgeton and Millville. Then reappearing later that week in Camden, a local woman found the beast attempting to eat her dog. 
she hit it with a broomstick and it flew away. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I would be impaling that thing if all I had was a broomstick if it attacked our dog. I was going to say, there would absolutely be no way that thing would get away if it attacked our dog. It would done be dead. Like, it would limp until it was ended by me with extreme prejudice. Oh, my Linda. <laughs> you put my dog in the hospital, I send your you Jersey Devil to the morgue. Right. You put one of ours in the hospital, we put one of yours in the morgue. Oh, the way we roll. <laughs> um, so while the sightings of the Jersey Devil haven't been as frequent as that week in January 1909, um, sightings of the Jersey Devil are still made to this day. Um, so I'm going to jump into eyewitnesses' accounts. Now, the first eyewitness account, I'm hesitant to say what she saw was the Jersey Devil, because from the descriptions that I have read and that I have told to you, it does not add up to what she saw. Well, there's, I mean, there are variations yeah. in in the eyewitness accounts that we've, you know, of, of the Jersey Devil mm -hmm. based on, like, what the legend says. Yeah. You know, but the eyewitness accounts up until this point were all... Uh, within range right. of, you know, something that could be loosely based on the legend. Mm -hmm. um, but this thing is, this person, what she saw, in in my own estimation, does not fit into that category. No, I mean, she says she saw the Jersey Devil, so I'm going to put it in the sightings, but I don't think she saw it. But then again, it was dark. It's, it's a dark time during this eyewitness statement so i'll just get into it and i'll let you guys be the judge i'll let you throw your two cents in if you so choose um so she saw this eyewitness statement or account happened in 1972 um at the time she was a senior at what was then uh glassboro state college uh she was driving on a winter's night to glassboro from blackwood on green tree road um she mentioned at this time the road was surrounded by orchards and farms. Houses were few and hardly any development in the area, so it was pretty rural, surrounded by woods. So a long way in between houses. Yeah. You know, a typical cryptid sighting area, if I do say so myself. I was going to say, not a lot of houses, rural area, woods. old creepy road running through the middle of nowhere. Nighttime. Yep. Nighttime. Check. Check check all the boxes check, for check, check. sighting. And enter the cryptid. Um, she states, and this is what kind of like cracks me up, is a lot of people who see cryptid state that they're sober. And that they are wide awake and not under the influence <laughs> of drugs and alcohol. I feel like it's sad that people have to qualify what they say with, I was sober, I was wide awake, and I was on no drugs at the time. Right. Um, uh, when she, uh, so she was completely sober and wide awake while driving when she caught a glimpse of something in her rearview mirror. Uh, slowing down to take a look, she noted it was dark, but the moon was bright enough that she had no trouble seeing uh, the upright figure of the creature crossing the road roughly 25 feet behind her car. The figure stood taller than a man by far and had thick haunches, similar to a goat, supporting its nearly human-like torso and a huge woolly head. So, to me, that that description would be like i don't know if any of our listeners are familiar but more satyr-esque yeah like half goat half man yeah type things that doesn't sound to me like the jersey like a devil kangaroo like wavern creature with that like wings yeah i mean it, that doesn't even i mean it's not even in the same realm and i'm almost positive that there is actually a cryptid out there that's it may be one of the lesser known ones but it's something along the lines of go and yeah dun, dun, dun. i mean like yeah literally like a goat man there is a goat man i might cover him later yeah. well there we go i mean but you know, I don't know where that is, but quite frankly, that's not the description that she gave mm -hmm. does not fit the description that everybody else has given up until this point of eyewitness accounts of the Jersey Devil, in my opinion. And granted, that's my opinion. True, true. My opinion as well. Don't come at us. 
Just stating what we think. Well, you can, but we may ignore whatever you say. <laughs> um, anyway. So anyway, so she proceeded to hit the gas and drove to her apartment. Um, the sighting left her so petrified that she slept in the car the rest of the night, refusing to get out into the darkness that introduced her to the Jersey Devil. Well, see, that's another thing, too, is, like, if I'm in my car and I'm outside of where I live, like a building, mm-hmm. there is zero possibility that I'm just going to chill out in my car. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, you know, you got a pane of glass in between you and conceivably a monster. Well, if you got enough time to start your car and run it over, you might have a fighting chance. Yeah, but that's assuming... I mean, if you're asleep in your car, I mean... That's true, too. Come I don't on. know. Um, she did note that she was that she grew up in New, uh, North Jersey, and she had grown up hearing about the Jersey Devil, but she was not believing of the Jersey Devil until now, apparently. Mm. Um, so the next eyewitness account comes from a man who grew up around the Pine Barrens and spent a lot of time within the Pine Barrens. Um, and he like stated he has had his fair share of strange experiences within the area, which I can definitely understand when I get more into the background of the Pine Barrens. You'll kind of understand a little bit. Um, so he states he was about 13 when he went camping alone near Hampton Furnace um, with a bow. He went out looking to hunt a rabbit for dinner. Um, about He says about an hour before sundown. He started to notice that something was following him back in the trees. So he's hunting and something's lurking in the trees. Because it's the Pine Barrens is a pretty thick forest. Well, I mean, if you're with it enough to go hunting with a bow on your own, especially at 13, then you're probably with it enough to know if something else is around. Oh, yeah. Hands down. Um, It followed him back to his campsite and circled him while he cooked dinner. Um, This continued well into the night. Um, And he also noted that it was a very dark night. Um, Deciding that his visitor had left, he crawled into his tent and started to settle down when he heard a foot stomp behind his tent. Uh, He got ready to jump up and get out um, when the thing started to scream. He compared the volume of the scream to to a large truck's horn. It's pretty loud. Yeah. Like and right by your tent. Like deafening. Yeah. Um, after several blasts it just stopped. Um he had a thought to like go out because he had like his bow and he had a knife. Um, but then he had a feeling that if he popped his head out of the tent, it would have been taken off. So he just stayed in his tent until morning, which I don't I don't blame him for that at all. Like it's good on you for being thirteen and hunting by yourself. I'd be t- terrified to be by myself 13 in the woods let's just i am not like i kind of like live in like i grew up in kind of like a small town that was surrounded by woods but i did not grow up in the woods like nope i love the woods i did not grow up in the woods well growing up in the woods is definitely a different it's a different thing a different animal in itself yeah um anywho so in the morning, he got out of his tent and he looked for tracks, but there were none to be found on pine needles. Which also scares me because that loud of a stomp, you'd think that it would have left some kind of trace of it somewhere. Well, you'd think so. But then again, if there was a thick bed of pine needles, I mean, that could definitely, I mean, it could, it could muffle, it, I mean, it could muffle the stomp, you know, I mean, not really muffle it, I guess. It could disperse the pressure from the stop mm-hmm. through the pine needles enough so that it wouldn't leave much of an impression on the ground. I mean, I know that sounds weird, but it, like it's you get fast. enough, you get enough pine needles stacked up. I mean, three or four inches of pine needles stacked up, which would make sense in a pine barren. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that creates quite a, quite, quite, a, a quite a soft cushion above the ground. Yeah. I mean, you know, and it would be, I mean, at least in my own estimation, something akin to like whacking a dog with a newspaper, you mm-hmm. know, makes a lot of noise, but doesn't, doesn't really hurt, hurt him. Yeah. Scares him more than anything. You know, makes a lot of noise, but doesn't leave an impression in the ground. Yeah. So anyway, Excuse to me. continue. Um. So 
he states to this day that he doesn't like sleeping in tents. He'd rather take his chance out in the open. I don't. I don't disagree with that. I'd rather see it coming, because if you can see it coming, at least you have a shot. At least you got a fighting chance. Yeah, I don't want something to tear through the back of my tent and get me on the back of my neck while I'm not. Well, I can't see it. You know what I mean? Right. It's like if something's gonna rip me apart, I want to see it so I can at least try to take a piece off it before it gets me. Or leave evidence of what got me. Right. Um, so this next um, eyewitness statement or eyewitness account is our last one that I could really find that was recent. Um, was from a woman who um, noted that during her four-year career at Cape May County Community High School, she had encountered the Jersey Devil three years in a row while on field trips through the school. Um, I probably, I feel like if I would have came across it, I probably wouldn't have gone again. I probably like um did it once I'm set, but I guess this field trip tied to grades so. Well, to get an A, I might take on the Jersey Devil because I was not phenomenal in school. <laughs> um. Anyway, so each of the encounters she states were the same, and on each trip her canoe was followed with, um, followed by heavy by a heavy footed thing. A heavy footed thing. Yes. So she could hear like the branches break under each of its steps, but she couldn't see it okay. while she's canoeing along the river that goes through the Pine Barrens. Um, she also said that every 10 minutes or so, she heard a deep beastly, beastly growl, growl um, that still gave her the creeps. Uh, during her sophomore year, she went canoeing with a friend when they came across a bag that had been torn open and gone through. Surrounding the bag were prints on the ground that looked like horse hooves, but bigger. Which is terrifying. Um, she then heard it cry. Well, I don't know if finding prints is as terrifying as hearing footsteps behind. I guess I'd have to see how big the hoof prints are. I was going to say, it kind of depends. I mean, some horse hooves are big. Mm -hmm. I mean, Clydesdales are huge. Clydesdales hooves, yeah, are very, very large. I don't think Clyde still lives in Pymerans. Mm, probably not. <laughs> um, she then heard it cry. She describes it as part human, part beast, full of anger and pregnant with pure hate. <laughs> That's such a terrible description. Hey, it like, gets the point across. I know, but there are so many better ways to say that. Um, like, that's just awful. So at that point, they nearly flipped their canoe after hearing that, and then they left behind whatever it was, or so they thought. So the thing seemed to follow them the further they went down. Um, each time they stopped or paused, it got closer to the river, so it's stalking them at this point. Um, so they continued to push on. At one point, they tipped their canoe. She could hear the thing running behind them. Um, they quickly righted their canoe and got back into it as fast as they could, which... It's a terrifying thought to think that you know something's stalking you through the woods and you're trying to, like, get back to, like, the safety point of where, like, your school bus is. You're just trying to get there. And then, in, like, a panic, like, you flip your canoe. Where the hell is everybody else during this? That's I what know. I want to know. If this is a school field trip, why is there only two of them? Well, I mean, it might be, like, a school field trip where, like, you have, I'm assuming the teachers are somewhere, maybe the teacher's kind of leading the pack, and then you have some of the kids that are more advanced, so they're down further, or the more advanced students are more in the back, yeah, trying I mean, to keep the middle people. But are they going to, like, I mean, it sounds to me, this description to me sounds like they are on their own. It sounds like they're like on their they're own. they're out wherever they are by themselves. So it is a field trip. I don't know where everybody else is. I just know that they flipped it, and they're going to get eaten alive. They don't. They get back in their canoe and they canoe off to safety. I just think that that's terrifying. I think that you're in the water. You're freaking out. you got to get your canoe righted so you can climb back in it. So you have at least some semblance of, I can get to safety now. Instead of just, like, waiting to die in the water. I'm pretty sure I just flip that thing over and grab one of the crossbars and just float down the river underneath the canoe. Like, head, head air pocket under the canoe. Just lift my feet up so I didn't get caught on anything on the bottom of the river and just freaking float down the river underneath that canoe. Now that's an idea. I didn't even think about that. That's probably what I would do because I don't think I'm short. So I don't think I could actually ride a canoe and not drown trying well, to flip a canoe. It's 
nearly, I mean, unless you really, really know what you're doing, mm -hmm. it's nearly impossible to be in the water and ride a canoe yeah. without, I mean, and, and not have it be so full of water that like trying to get back into it, you would sink it. Right. I mean, and once a canoe is under the water, Without being on the shore, you're all done. You're done, son. So I wonder if they were closer to the shore than what I am picturing. So I'm picturing them in the middle of the river and they flip their canoe. So maybe they're closer to shore and they actually have footing. Maybe. And that's why they were so panicked that the thing was going to come at them because it's on shore. They're close to shore. Yeah. They can come eat their faces. Right. It's going to eat our faces. Right. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, but they made it back to safely um, and they packed up their bus. As they were leaving... Um, the girl or young lady saw a little cottage. Um, as the bus was about to pass the cottage, she saw a woman. The woman looked back at her. She could see that the woman's skin was torn and bleeding. Um, after the bus passed, the woman just vanished. So it kind of is like, okay, is this... Because the Pine Barrens has several or has a few ghost stories attached to it. So is this like a ghost of... So is this a ghost, the victim a, of a Jersey Devil? Ghost of Jersey Devil past. Right. So I... I she, give a, like, she doesn't give a description of the woman other than like torn, bleeding skin. Yeah, no, it was just torn, bleeding skin. Hmm. Um, but yeah, so that's the most recent eyewitness account that I could find. Does it say when this was? Like it does 80s, 90s? It doesn't. Yesterday. I mean, I looked up the school, and it's still like a functioning school, so I'm not sure when this happened, but gotcha. it sounds not super recent, but it sounds more recent than 1972, mm, but yeah. who knows? Never get to. Um, so I wanted to do the sightings back in 1909, and then the eyewitness accounts to kind of lay the groundwork for the history of it. Um, so we're going to go into the history, which is going to explain more on the folklore side of things. Okay. So I feel like I laid out the groundwork for the um, Jersey Devil to actually be a tangible, real thing. And now I'm about to tell you the history that kind of makes it sound like it might not be as real as we think. Okay. Um, so, so we're straddling the line. So we're straddling the line. I'm doing Devil's Advocate. Not really, but I'm doing the pros and the cons. So this is the con. It's all right. Bump the table with the microphone on. <laughs> um, so prior to the early 1900s, sightings of the Jersey Devil was referred to as the Leeds Devil. Um, in connection with the local Leeds family or Leeds Point, uh, Mother Leeds has been identified by some as Deborah Leeds on the ground that Deborah Leeds' husband, Japet, Japet, J-A-P-H-E-T. Sorry, what page are you on? Three. The Three. back side, or the front side, four. Under history. Hold on. Sorry, everybody. I'm lost on the... Okay, I got it. Uh... I'm saying Jeffett. 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 Um, Deborah named, and Jeffett Leeds. Yeah, named 12 children in the will he wrote in 1736. Um, Deborah and Jeffett Leeds also lived in Leeds Point, which is now Atlantic City, New Jersey. Mm. A bastion of Christian values there. <laughs> the good old AC. <laughs> The baby version of Las Vegas. <laughs> no, thank you. All set in that. Um, so, um, Brian Regal, who is a historian of science for Keene University, theorizes that the story of Mother Leeds, rather than being based on a single historical person, originated from colonial southern New Jersey religion political disputes that then became the subject of folklore and gossip among the local population. So according to Regal, folk legends concerning these historical disputes evolved through the years and resulted in the modern popular legend of the Jersey Devil during the 20th century. Okay, so that didn't start, so it's evolved into at around the turn of the century as to what 
It is now. It is now. Yeah. Um, so the colonial political intrigue involving, involving, at the time, New Jersey politicians Benjamin Franklin and rival almanac publisher Daniel Lees. Now, I got excited when I read this because I love the TV show Drunk History. Yep. And I watch it while I am cooking, while getting a little, not drunk, but a little good buzz going on. And they actually have an episode on here where they talk about the feud between Benjamin Franklin and Titan Leeds, which I got really excited. Yeah. So I was like, oh, I've seen this. They don't talk about the Jersey Devil in the episode, but they talk about the feud. Anyways, I digress. Um, so this resulted in Leeds being dubbed monster. The Leeds being dubbed as monsters. And it was really Daniel Leeds' description as the Leeds Devil rather than any actual creature that created, that created the later legend of the Jersey Devil. So it's not just Benjamin Franklin stating that Daniel Leeds is this awful monster. There's more to why Daniel Leeds is, um, there's more to the story. It's just Benjamin Franklin had a large piece to it. And he also had a, his own printing press. And he had his own printing press. <laughs> and he could um, write whatever he wanted. So... The lead, so I'm going to talk about the Leeds family. Uh, so, like Mother Leeds, who cursed her 13th child, Daniel Leeds' third wife gave birth to nine children. His third wife? Yes, his third wife. Um, I, th- I, I could be wrong, but I think his other wives had children. I don't know if they survived or not, but he had at least nine with his third wife. Um, he was a royal surveyor with a strong allegiance to the British crown. Mm. So, already, Benjamin Franklin, obviously, is known for his part in the Mm -hmm. American Revolution. Um, Lees had surveyed land and acquired it in Egg Harbor, which is located within the Pine Barrens. In the Egg Harbor area. Yeah. The names in this place are just super weird. They really are. I don't get Egg Harbor. Like, Hayden Furnace, or whatever that was. Yeah, I don't know. It's like... What the heck, man? Like Egg <laughs> Harbor, Hampton Furnace. What are we going to do? Freaking have a cooking show? Maybe. I mean, have a good old fashioned clam bake. We're going to do a good old clam bake there, buddy. In Hampton Furnace. Right, going down to Hampton Furnace. Going to have us a good old clam bake down there. Call the clams in Egg Harbor. Actually, I don't know. Of course. Yeah. You know. <laughs> Shows you where we're from. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 17th century English Quakers established settlements in southern New Jersey, the region where the Pine Barrens is located. Daniel Leeds was a Quaker as well as a prominent person of pre-revolutional revolution, colonial southern New Jersey, um, became ostracized by his Quaker congregation after his 18, uh, no, sorry, after his 1687 publication of his almanac that contained astrological symbols and writings. Well, of course he's going to be ostracized the Quakers yeah. after freaking having something like that come out. Right. So Leeds, That was not okay. Right. So Leeds fellow Leeds fellows Quakers deemed the astrology uh, the astrology in his almanac to pagan or blasphemous. So they censored and destroyed them. Of course they did. Um, in response to his almanac being censored and destroyed, Leeds continued to publish even more esoteric astrological Christian writings and started to become fascinated with, hang on, give me a minute, Christian occultism. Christian occultism. Yeah. Christian mysticism. Mysticism. Cosmology, demonology, angelology, and natural magic. So back in the 17th century, so all of this. He was like super, super yeah. off off the off the path right and i mean um so i even googled christian occultism to see what it was but i didn't really even know what it was um so it's the broadest sense um uh, in the broadest sense is a category of supernatural beliefs and practices which generally fall outside the scope of religion and science encompassing such phenomena involving otherworldly agents as mysticism spirituality and magic and then Christian mysticism uh, refers to mystical practices and theories within Christianity. Mysticism is not so much as a doctrine, as a thought. It is often connected to mystical theology. And mystical theology 
is a branch of theology that explains mystical practices and states as induced by contemplative practices such as contemplative prayer, especially in the Catholic Church or Orthodox Church. So all of these things that he is printing in his almanacs go obviously against the Quaker religion. So they are deeming him pretty much the devil because he's spreading this devil worship kind of thing because that's what they saw all of this as. So that, along with his feud with Benjamin Franklin, I can understand where Leeds Point becomes the home of the Jersey Devil, especially since the Leeds family crest was a Wayburn. Well, I mean... Standing on hooves, like with hoofed feet. Well, clearly, I mean, you know, by by all all of this, you know, background information, <coughs> you know, people would certainly, I mean, they could certainly attribute it to the devil. I mm-hmm. mean, clearly, because especially, you know, like Quaker people, um, you know, they, they're certainly not... Uh, willing to tolerate anything outside of the norm for mm-hmm. as far as that goes i mean astrological signs pagan symbols all that you know i mean never used to be air quotes bad right you know but i mean you look at you know like puritan christianity as it sits mm-hmm. and you know i mean honestly there's a lot of signs that are very well known today that i mean people have a long time ago they weren't anything bad but people have used them right as a symbol of whatever like well i mean like for example like the swastika for Mm -hmm. example you know before hitler adopted it you Mm -hmm. know it wasn't a bad thing Mm -hmm. i can't remember specifically off the top of my head what it symbolized but hitler used it for his own you and know, now it's the sign of thing hate. and now everybody views it as a hate sign yeah you know so i mean it's it, it's in my opinion and like i said my opinion mm-hmm. you know it's it's how symbols are used that denote you know their their real right kind of you know, purpose, I guess. Yeah. I not not articulating this very well, but... That's all right. You did good, love. Um, so in the 1690s, after the continual censorship of his almanacs, lead con- leads converted to... Angelicism? E- Angelicanism. Angelicanism. And began publishing anti-Quaker... Oh, an- Anglicanism. 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 I'm going to let That's you say That's a freaking mouthful, man. Right? Anglicanism. Um, and began publishing anti-Quaker tracts, criticizing Quaker theology, and accusing Quakers of being anti-monarchists. So he's basically saying they're anti-Britain. Yep. Uh, Lees was then deemed a traitor by the Quakers and dismissed as evil. Mm. So there Stretch you go. there. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so in 1716, Daniel Lee's son, Titan Lee's, inherited his father's almanac and continued his father's feud with Benjamin Franklin. Um, in 1733, Benjamin Franklin satirically used astro- um, astrology in his almanac to predict Titan Lee's death in October of that same year. Good Lord. Um, even though Franklin intended this to be a joke and as a mean to boost almanac sales, Titan Leeds was offended, obviously, um, by Franklin's action and in turn published a public admonition. admonition of Franklin as a fool and a liar. Which, I mean, honestly, it's kind of a dick move of Benjamin Franklin to be like, oh, well, I'm going to use this to rub it up. The thing that gets me is, like, these people are... I mean, Benjamin Franklin, especially, mm-hmm. like, is considered one of the founding fathers of our country. Yeah. I mean, and here he is in what can be considered no less than a childish feud. A bully. I mean, really, it's a bully move. It is a bully I move. I mean, and not like, you know, not like, you know, Roosevelt said, you know, bully, you know, that's good. But I mean, you know, like, this is like a dick, like you said, it's a dick move. It's a dick move. And it's just not, I mean, he's a, 
He's Not a bully. What you would think a founding father would be. Yeah, I mean, I, when I think of the founding fathers, I think of like honorable. Yeah. People, I mean, honorable in the real sense of the word, like people don't think of it anymore. Right. You know, as my father would consider honorable people. Yeah. You know, not a bully with a printing press and a stick up his butt. Right. You know. Um, but, I mean, this, I mean, I guess at the end of the day, they were normal people. So, you know, I guess it makes sense that they would have their own issues too. Stop. Sorry. It's okay. Yeah. Somebody Pups are in here with back. us. and Yeah, we got people uh, target practicing out back. I'm starting to warm them up. Um, so, frankly, continue to mock Titan's outrage and humorously suggested that Leeds did in fact die in accordance with an earlier prediction. And Titan was writing his almanacs as a ghost, resurrected from the grave to haunt and torment Franklin. Good lord. Um, after Titan Leeds' actual death in 1738, Benjamin Franklin continued to refer Titan Leeds as a ghost. Um... So with Daniel Lee's blasphemous and occultist reputation along with his pro-monarchy stance and a largely anti-monarchist colonial South New Jersey, also combined with Benjamin Franklin's continuous depiction of Titan Lee's as a ghost, this may have originated or contributed to the local folk legend of the so-called Leeds devil working in the Pine Barrens. Well, certainly probably didn't help it any. And I mean, and also with the whole, um, like, Jersey devil actually looking like um, a kangaroo or like a wavern in 1726 Titan Leeds has started to print the Leeds family crest on the masthead of his almanacs. Uh, the Leeds family crest was depicted as a wavern, the bat winged dragon like creature that stands upright on two clawed feet. Wyvern. Yeah, wyvern. Um, so this also could have contributed to the Leeds family poor representation rep reputation among locals, it may even have influenced the popular description of the Leeds Devil slash Jersey Devil. Which is true. I mean, I tried to find, I think I found a page, like, on, like, Google with the crest. And it's a little blurry. But, I mean, the figure does kind of look like what I would assume the Jersey Devil would look like. Yeah. So, he did not do himself any favor. By putting that on there. Well, I mean, it's... I mean, I could see where he's coming from. I mean, his family... Your family crest is your family crest. Right. It's like, you know, you might not like it, mm -hmm. but at the end of the day, it's your family crest. Yeah. And back in that day, you know, your family name was what you had. You know, I mean, good, bad, or indifferent, your family name was your family name. Right. And... You know, your crest is your crest, so it's kind of the way that it was. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to jump to you, reported encounters. Um, after the, after, what is it, 1738 after Titan Leeds died, um, of people actually encountering the Jersey Devil again. Um, so, according to legend Commodore Stephen Decatur, um, while visiting Hanover Mill to inspect cannonballs being forged there, he sighted a flying creature and fired a cannonball directly at it with no effect. Mm. Um, and then, in 1820, good old Joseph Bonaparte, who was the older brother to Napoleon Bonaparte, uh, immigrated to the United States where he settled near Bordertown, New Jersey, Claimed to have seen the Jersey Devil while hunting on his estate in New Jersey. Mm. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to jump back to the sightings of 1909 uh, because, due to the sightings, um, several uh, um, the sightings prompted a variety of hoaxes that came around um, because the Philadelphia Zoo posted a $10,000 reward for the Jersey Devil. Which at the time, ten thousand dollars was not an amount of bulk. A ton of money. That's yeah. Good. So, um, a man named Norman Jeffries and his friend Jacob Hop Hope, Hope Jacob Hope Jacob Hope. Sorry, Norman, Norman Jeffries and Jacob Hope. <laughs> uh, Jacob Hope was an animal trainer. Purchased a kangaroo from a circus, 
in glued bat wings along with artificial claws onto it. What a douchebag. Yeah, right? They declared that they had captured it and it was displayed at the museum. Wow. So 20 years later, Jeffries admitted to the hoax. A-holes. Somebody should glue wings and claws on him. That's what I was thinking. Like a douche. Um, but there were other hoaxes that people had put um, like horseshoe hoofs together to make bigger ones and like put that in the area to kind of like increase the manic of the thing, like uh, the manic of the situation of the Jersey Devil. Um, so I'm going to go into the explanations of the Jersey Devil. So skeptics believe the Jersey Devil is more is nothing more than a creative manifestation upon the imagination of the early English settlers. Um, the Pine Barrens, in which the Jersey slash Leeds Devil lives, was a frightening place on its own merits, which may have added to the legend. So the Pine Barrens um, was considered inhospitable land due to gangs of highwaymen, such as the politically disclaimed loyalist brigades. So people who were loyal to the crown, they fled to the Pine Barrens knowing that people wouldn't go there. And they, in fact, added to the horrifying stories to keep people away from them. Yeah. Um, uh, they were also known as Pine Robbers. The Pine Robbers were known to attack travelers passing through the Barrens. It kind of reminds me of Robin Hood and Sherwood Forest. I'm not going to lie. With the exception of the fact that they were robbing the rich and giving it to the poor. Right. Because they were probably robbing anybody. It never, didn't matter who they were. Exactly. And keeping it. Um, so during the 1700s to 1800s, residents of the Pine Barrens were deemed outcasts of society. So you got your fugitives, your brigades, um, Native American, huh? Brigands. Brigands, um, Native Americans, poachers, moonshiners, runaway slaves, uh, deserting slaves. So anybody who didn't belong in the society, ran to the Pine Barrens for refuge. And they themselves kind of fed into the stories to kind of keep themselves safe so they wouldn't be looked after. Makes sense. Um, thanks to their isolated and undeveloped nature, the Pine Barrens themselves fostered various folk legends. So the area itself. Well, I mean, you just said the area was considered frightening all by itself oh, yeah. without anything else associated with it. Yeah. Now you're adding... You know, outcasts, deserters. Who attack and kill and Well, I mean, if they're, and... you know, deserters, I mean, you would assume military of some kind, deserters. So, I mean, you know, they're probably armed. Mm -hmm. They have military training of some kind. Right. You know, I mean, plus there's already bandits and groups of people who've banded together to friggin' rob people in there. Right. You know, now add in lots of other stuff. I mean... Sketchy doesn't quite cover it, but, you know, mm -hmm. it certainly gets you moving in the right direction. Right. Um, so supernatural creatures and ghosts are said to haunt the Pine Barrens, including the ghost of Captain Kidd, who supposedly buried treasure in the Pine Barrens. He has been allegedly seen accompanying the Jersey Devil. Mm. So Captain Kidd was a real pirate. Um, there is a ghost story of a black doctor, which is considered a benevolent spirit. So it's a good spirit of an African-American doctor who was forbidden to practice medicine due to his race. Um, he entered the Pine Barrens to practice medicine in the isolated communities within the Pine Barrens. He is said to provide aid to lost or injured travelers in the Pine Barrens. Um, so I like the Jersey Devil rips them apart and he sews them back together? Pretty much. That's weird. It is, but hey, he's just doing a nice thing. Yeah. Um, Can't fault him for being a good guy. Yeah, there also have been sightings of black dogs, which um, mm. English, mm, I know that, but it, it's not quite what you think. So English, like folklore and Irish folklore, black dogs are always ominous. They're always bad. They are associated with the devil. But in the Pine Barrens, these black dogs apparently are not. They, like, lead Travelers back to a path that gets them out of the Pine Barrens, apparently. Well, that works. So even they're like, yo, this place is bad. Get on out. Take this path before the devil comes. I look scary, but you see that thing? That it's thing's going to rip you apart. So I feel bad for you, so let's go this way. Right. Um, theories of what the Jersey Devil could be. 
Um, so a man named Jeffrey Burner on the Humane Society in New Jersey believes that a sandhill crane is the basis of the Jersey Devil stories. Jeff Bruner? Yeah. Now, I looked up what a sandhill crane is. Because I kind of know what it looks like, say. but I wasn't quite sure. And the uh, only way that I think I would mistake it is if seeing it in flight. I was going to say, I understand what a crane is, but yeah. I mean, is a sandhill crane something different than a regular, like what people think of as a crane? I don't think so. I mean, when I looked it up, I kind of saw what I would picture like a crane being. But it, to me, does not. Long legs, relatively good sized bird. Yeah. Like, know, good, long, like long wings. Long neck. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, crane. Yeah. Um, so the one that I'm excited to talk about is the theory, and I read this while doing research on Deborah and Jeffette Leeds. Um, somebody had theorized that the Jersey Devil could have been a hammer-headed bat that stowed away on a boat coming from Africa to the West Indies, then to the British uh, colonies via the colonial trade routes. Been quite the... Uh... Quite the voyage for that. It would have been quite fellow. the voyage, but it eats fruit. So if which it was they, in a bunch of fruit. I was going to say, which they they yeah. shipped a lot of back then. Um, so um, a hammer-headed bat is, um, part of a mega, is part of the mega bat family. Um, it's got a wide range in West and Central Africa. It is the largest bat in continental Africa. Uh, with a wingspan, it's about three feet. Now this is where I'm kind of like, okay... It's so three foot wingspan or, yeah. or about one meter. That's a, yeah. that's a big wingspan. Yeah. Um, Especially for a bat. Right. I mean, it's part, it's, it's one of the bigger families of the, in the bat realm. Yeah. It's part of like the bigger species of it. Like they had, I, I wanted to try to put in the actual like name of said bats, but it's, the length of the alphabet, and there's no way in heck I was going to be able to oh, pronounce the, it. So I'm just going to call it. Name of yeah. The bat? So they're just mega bats. That's what they are. Um, so males are almost twice the size, um, twice as heavy as females. Males weighing on average 15 ounces, and females on average of eight ounces. So not as big as what I would think the Jersey Devil would be. No, but the bones are probably hollow like bird bones so they can actually move around. Right. Um, so males and females differ greatly in appearance. Males' vocal cords are about three times the size of females, and they also have resonating chambers on their faces. Um, these differences help males produce and amplify vocalizations. Um, the males make loud honking noises <laughs> to attract females during their mating seasons. Um, the female bats appear more like the typical mega bat with fox-like fox -like faces. So kind of like flying foxes, but not quite like flying foxes. Actually, I think a flying fox is also one of the names of the mega bats. Um, typically, the hammer-headed bat consumes a variety of fruit like figs, bananas, and mangoes. Um, but there have been a few uh, carnivory instances reported. Due to their diet, hammerheaded bats are considered pests of fruit crops, crops um, and one of Africa's most significant nocturnal pests due to its ability to produce loud vocalizations. I feel like uh, the megabat, it says megabats constitute the family Teropodidae of the order. Chiro, Chiroptera? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's like... I'm, yeah, I wasn't even going to try it. Yeah, I figured I'd give it a shot, but... Um, so I will post pictures of a male hammer-headed bat, because you look at it, and it looks exactly like the description of the Jersey Devil, minus the hoofed feet. Right. I mean, it's not big. I mean, it only weighs 15 ounces, but... Yeah, but if you look at one of the pictures, like the dude's holding it up, and it looks like... It looks massive. Yeah, it looks huge. Um, so, if it could survive a boat trek from Africa to the West Indies to 
what was then the British colonies, and you have the locals seeing this thing they have never seen before, yeah. flying around and making loud honking noises. I was going to say, if you saw something like that, especially not knowing what it was, I mean, you would think it was a monster. I mean, and not to mention, they don't know what a honk is at that point. There are no horns at this point. There's no car horns. There's no honking. So they don't know. That's not like a... It's just like loud noises. Yeah, it's just a loud, scary noise that they haven't heard before. Yeah. So that kind of cinched cinch the deal that the Jersey Devil was what we're going to talk about. And the Jersey Devil was also the namesake of two hockey teams. And that pretty much wraps up the Jersey Devil. Well, I don't know. I think, uh, I think we went through it pretty well. I think so. I mean, I want to say at one point, if not still, the Jersey Devil is real. But if it no longer is, it was at one point a real creature. Whether it was a hammer-headed bat or an actual monster. It is entirely possible. Mm -hmm. I mean, anything's possible. But I learned... Right circumstances. I learned a lot, and I wasn't expecting to learn a lot. Like I said, I thought it was going to be like, not as exciting. We were not excited about the prospect of it. But once we learned about it, we became excited. And I am thrilled to share the information I found. Alrighty, so that in a nutshell was the Jersey Devil. Quite exciting. I'm glad I, I learned something while researching this, and I hope you all did as well. Um, thank you for joining us. Uh, we hope you enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed researching it. Uh, you can reach us at our email address, Desiree's Mysterious Dark at gmail.com. Uh, follow us on Facebook at Desiree's Mysterious Dark. And you can also follow us on Instagram at Desiree's underscore mysterious underscore dark. Thank you for joining us. And we hope you join us next week. But until then, peer into the dark. And wonder what's peering back. Thank you.